Does the idea of tithing still have relevance today? Hello and welcome to The Good Word. I'm Dave Thomas, the convener this quarter. I'm happy once again to have Dr. Bruce Taves and uh, Professor Brant Berglund with me. Bruce is from the School of Business and uh, Brant is from the School of Theology or New Testament. And this week, of all things, uh, we are talking about this idea of tithing. It is commonly understood that tithing is a, a, that a tithe is a 10% or a tenth part of something. And uh, the primary text for this week is a well-known one from Malachi 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This text uh, interests me because I I knew of a situation years ago where there was a gentleman who was actually a pipe fitter. He worked with steam. He was a really rough man who was prone to swearing and drinking and all, but he paid tithes. He would come to church <laughs> on a monthly basis. He never darkened the door of the church, but he would send his tithe on a basis. And he told his son, who at that time was not paying tithe, he said, you are an idiot. He called his son an idiot. He said, have you not read Malachi 3? Mm. And he saw this as kind of a, what should I say, an, an unvarying contract that if he paid tithe, God would bless him. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you guys see it this way or not. Um, Just an interesting piece here. But the text, by the way, is interesting because, first of all, it clearly indicates that tithe makes it possible for God's house to have food. And I think that we have to understand that somewhat in metaphorical language. The word food is not what you eat, but supplies, whatever it needs. The second one is that uh, it's a rather blunt way in which God calls humans to try or test them to see or not pour out blessings on them. It's hard to receive. So what thoughts do you have on tithe, gentlemen? Well, I I can appreciate the system that we have in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in that um, we're not a congregational system where if you have a big, big church, you have a big salary. And a lot of the small churches probably are run uh, Pastored by someone as a as a side side uh, interest to their or someone just beginning hoping for a bigger assignment, right? Right, and and so the salaries of pastors are the same regardless of the size of their church, and mm-hmm. so that's a way to our tithing system is a way to to provide for the food or the sustenance of, mm-hmm. of the yeah. church. Yeah, and actually that that also means that pastors don't have to negotiate every year with their congregations for yeah. their salary, which I think is, is known to be a fairly difficult thing here. In Adventism, you have either a job or you don't have a job. It's not about the it's not about the money amount. But it's interesting to me that the tithe is was initially in, instituted in order to provide for the welfare of the priests, to make sure there was intercession in the sanctuary, to make sure that the law was read regularly, to make sure that the worship of God continued, and yet there was a reciprocal blessing on the part of the, of Israel who gave as well. And I, I don't know how much time we'll have to get into this, but giving of tithe has an effect on how I manage my own money. When I know that tenth of it goes to God because it's his in the first place, I think about the rest differently, not just that it belongs to God, which we we do, but that I manage more carefully because I know that right off the top, a tenth is gone. Well, and however much the government takes too, but that's another yeah. topic. And I, I remember this had an effect on my life when I was in high school. There was a the, the, the gentleman who was the business manager of the school got up at chapel one time and he said, I'm standing here to make a confession that three months ago, my wife and I decided that our finances were such that we could no longer pay tithe. And he said, so we went 
for three or four months. And he says, uh, this month we started paying again because we found out that actually we were worse off on 100% than we were on 90%. And I think it has to do with the, with the idea that you manage your money more carefully when, when you have that. Um, by the way, Brad, I think tithing is older than the, the Levitical priesthood because you go all the way back to Melchizedek, this interesting person. Fair who, enough, Dave. Who, who, yeah. We don't even know who Melchizedek is. Abraham paid tithe to him, and this is way before the establishment of Israel or the Exodus, right? You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when when Abraham, after the, the fight of against the kings of the valley, when he redeems Lot and his family from Sodom's um, overthrow, he gives a tenth to Melchizedek and... Melchizedek is a type. He's a shadow of, of Christ. But that, that name is interesting, right? It means the king of righteousness. King of righteousness. And he's also the king of peace, which ended up being Jerusalem. He was the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem. Yeah. He, was, he was very much a type of Jesus that way, too. And so we have no idea what policies governed the use of tithe in those days, right? No, but Abraham gave it willingly. There yeah. was no compulsion. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that, that really tells us that tithing has been part of the human experience for a very, very long time. And you could maybe argue that the Sabbath was a, a tithe of time. Yes, it, although it's not a tenth, it's a seventh, yeah. But it's, it's the same. Which idea. I'm grateful that it's more than a tenth. <laughs> <laughs> I like having a day off with God every seven days. That's awesome. Tithe in the Bible is, is spoken of as being holy unto the Lord. It, it, the indication is that that 10% is not actually, it's ours to manage, but not, we, we don't, it's not ours to have. Am I correct? First fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first fruits, yeah. Which is an interesting one because if you talk to some older Christians, I know that the first thing they do when they get their paycheck is they write their tithe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is mine, mine is all direct deposits. I don't even know what it is until I get my bank statement. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've, I've had people ask me when I was pastoring, do I, do I tithe on you know, my profit or do I tithe on everything that comes in? And you know, that seems to be a matter between you and the Lord and your conscience. But I've found that um, if I want God to take first place in my life, that means he has to come before my government even. And so I would prefer to see um, tithe for myself. I'd prefer to see tithe on whatever comes in. And then after that, you know, I know the government will take its part too. Yeah, yeah. There's certain taxes like Social Security and so forth that you would be paying tithe on that if you, on the contribution as well as the distribution when you retired, you'd be paying tithe twice. Twice, yeah. But that's okay. Um, and, and like you said, it's it's a matter of personal conviction. I think, you know, there's a verse that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves mm-hmm. a cheerful giver, yeah. which mm-hmm. implies that it's a it's a personal choice. And you know, Bruce, I, yeah. I find yeah. that some of the payroll things are so complicated today that, you, you know, how do you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm not well versed in all of these things, but when it, you get all these dividends and, and fees mm-hmm. and and you know, honorariums and, and, and I don't know, I can't even name them all, but sometimes it's hard to figure out, given the complexities of modern finance, what what is gain and what is not. It is, because your increase could be the value of your home, too. Yeah. And uh, on capital assets, it becomes a little problematic to try to tithe on a particular increase because, first of all, the increase is somewhat subjective. Mm-hmm. And also on the wherewithal principle, which is also used by, by tax law, is that when you sell an asset, then you can pay the capital gains tax because oh, yeah. you actually have the money 
It's yeah. liquid then. To pay it. Yeah, yeah. because if, ha- if your house appreciates, you, you may not have the salary to pay the, the, pay the tithe. And yeah. it may go down in value too. So. Oh, yeah, it may go down. But um, which is one reason that many business people and their capital assets um, actually wait until they sell the business to, yeah. to pay a tithe. Yeah, and some mm. people don't mm. pay tithe except the end of the year when they actually calculate profit and loss for the year too. Interesting. Yeah, I was interested in what you said about Social Security because when I was employed, I'm retired now, I did not pay tithe on my Social Security, but I'm paying it now when Mm -hmm. I receive it. See, And I didn't feel that was a a great wrong that I had done. But if I return a tithe on on an investment, money that gets invested, and then I lose money, do I get any of that tithe money back for the loss? No, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Well, right now you would be getting money back, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, once you make a contribution, it's gone, right? You can't go to a, an organization and say, I want my contribution back. Right. Can you, Bruce? There are situations where a, a nonprofit may refund a contribution under under hardship or oh, yeah. whatever. But, um, but really, it is a legal contract with state philanthropy laws, and charities have no obligation to. Yeah, return. unless they misuse it somehow, then that's a different set of rules, right? Correct. Yeah. Hmm. We should talk about the storehouse because that's often a very controversial thing. What is the storehouse? And um, in the Old Testament, it seems to have been the temple, right? The, the people brought their gifts to the temple. Uh, what shall we say about the storehouse today, gentlemen? Any comments? There were two places that the tithe, in fact, if we look at the Old Testament, I know there are some who will disagree, but it seems there were two tithes brought in. One brought in specifically for the priest and another for the priesthood and another brought in for the poor and the needy. And those tithes were not usually given in the form of money. They were given in the form of goods, right? Things you might barter for, um, whether it was wheat or oil or wine or even a living creature, and they were brought to a storehouse that would be managed. Um, the challenge today is that we don't give goods, and so where should that money go? I had a student recently who said, I've been saving up my tithe, wondering where I could give it, and I'm wondering if I could give it to a local organization that does good for the community. And my response to him was, well, that's 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 generous of you. Thank you. Um, just make sure that organization's sole primary goal is doing, first of all, what the priesthood is supposed to do, making sure that it's taking the good news, the story of God, and the worship of God to the world. That's that's primary. And um, he said, oh, I guess I hadn't thought about that. And he shifted to where he thought the storehouse would be. And he ended up giving it to a local congregation. And I, I think for the tithe, that makes more sense. Yeah. So another, another issue is that there are some people that um, are not wanting to support the church, maybe yep. because of personal experience or I had a relative who actually worked in the church for many years and saw how there were problems and uh, didn't want to um, he didn't want to contribute and um, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking back to the widow and her mites um, the Pharisees um, probably were not handling the money very well True. and yet, <laughs> and yet Jesus um, um, condoned and blessed what she did and so the the giving is more of on us and our experience than maybe on the use of funds. That doesn't mean that we uh, shouldn't expect accountability and carefulness with, with our donations, but yeah. it's it's on us. Yeah, it seems to me that the storehouse mm. is a collective decision by a believing community because we don't have any holy places in the New Testament, right? No, right. We dedicate church buildings, but they're not holy places like in, in the Old Testament. We don't have a central location. And so I liked your description, Brent, that uh, 
um, where the entity is primarily involved in, in in providing opportunities for worship and propagation and instruction, that that's worthy of accepting tithe. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, and you know, the Bible, I think everybody knows that uh, the Bible is very uh, harsh in its language about people who refuse to do that because they're robbing God, which I think is a pretty, it's a scary description. Uh, although that, that should not, fear should not provide your motivation. That it should be a cheerful heart that gives. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate this. My thanks to Bruce and to Brandt for their contribution today and to Christian Christian Bailey for our engineer and to you for listening. For The Good Word, I'm David Thomas. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.